0: Plants capture CO2. What if we could help industrial plants capture it too? Think how we could help lower emissions. It's one way ExxonMobil is helping industrial plants be more like plants.
1: Welcome into NFL Live. We've got former Bengals and Browns receiver Andrew Hawkins here with us. We've got two-time Super Bowl champ Damian Woody and NFL insider Field Yates right next to me. I'm Diana Rossini. We begin with strong allegations against Bills running back. LaShawn McCoy, this afternoon, a photo began swirling on social media. An unidentified Instagram user posted a graphic image of a woman with cuts and bruises on her face, along with a message that accused McCoy of domestic violence, child abuse, animal cruelty and performance enhancing drug use. McCoy, he responded shortly after The post on his own Instagram account saying, For the record, the totally baseless and offensive claims made against me today on social media are completely false. Furthermore, I have not had any direct contact with any of the people involved in months. ESPN has also learned the Buffalo Bills are looking into the situation. No comment from the organization at this point or McCoy's agent, Drew Rosenhaus. So, at this point right now, we don't have too much information in regards to the situation. This is all just allegations. But, Field, I, I want to start with you from the Buffalo Bills' perspective. Here we are in early July. How do they handle this?
2: Well, it's unique, Diana, in the sense that Brandon being their general manager, their head coach, Sean McDermott, and other members of this organization are away from the team facility. This is the one time of the year that you will be hard-pressed to find someone inside the building at a respective team. So it's going to take an effort for them to huddle up, gather as much information as is possible and if they deem it necessary, respond to the situation or release a statement of some matter or sort. At this point, we don't have anything from the Buffalo Bills. If this situation continues to percolate, you might expect them to address it in some way shape or form, but for now, given that the given the dynamic of being apart, it's not Not that this is ever easy, but it's not quite as simple to come together and get the message across that you want to convey.
1: Yeah, And the story is still developing. We're still learning and getting more details. We have reporters uh, making tons of phone calls right now uh, to get us more facts. And we'll keep you updated throughout NFL Live today. Meantime, uh, some football action, guys. Uh, The Ravens rookies, they are the first to report to training camp tomorrow. And what a big group they have. I didn't even realize this until we really took a look at this. Baltimore picked 12 players in the 2018 draft, the most of any team. And, of course, the most notable, quarterback Lamar Jackson. Jackson, the 32nd overall pick, one of the five quarterbacks selected in the first round this year. Now the others, of course, Josh Rosen, Josh Allen, Baker Mayfield, and Sam Darnold. The former USC quarterback has already made an impression on Jets teammate Josh McCown. Take a listen.
0: I feel like with Sam, we have the right guy. He's wired the right way. He loves the game and, uh, and he asks all the right questions and he's willing to work. That's the foundation. You got to have that. And especially playing this position, if you don't love it, it's hard unless you're just, you know, unbelievably gifted to do it. It's hard to, to play this position if you don't love the game and, and spend your time thinking about it and doing it and working on it. And Sam's that type of guy.
1: All right, well, recent history tells us that we'll see these five quarterbacks start this season, right? So over the previous 10 years, 27 QBs have been picked in the first round. 26 of them started at least one game as a rookie. The only one who didn't start in their rookie season, that was, of course, Jake Locker, the eighth overall pick. In 2011. So let's get into it, guys. Let's talk about these rookie quarterbacks. And Hawk, I want to begin with you. You know, we've got Mm -hmm. so many expectations surrounding Sam Darnold. So I want to go five to one. Your rookie quarterback with the highest expectations.
3: Well, number five, I'm going to go with Lamar Jackson. The reason for Lamar at number five is because everyone talked about how he wasn't going to get drafted high. People were trying to change his position. There was so much talk before the draft. Well, Come to find out, he was a first-round pick. And to be honest, nobody went back and gave his mother credit. They gave her a lot of flack going into <laughs> it, but no one ever ate the words. But that's why I have been number five, because people aren't expecting much. He's sitting behind Joe Flacco. Number four, we have Baker Mayfield. Now, I know me and you go back and forth a lot on this. I don't think Baker is going to play, because I think he's sitting behind a very solid NFL quarterback in Tyrod Taylor. Number three, I have <laughs> I'm I'm not going to let
1: you have the hook just yet. All right, let's go. Baker Mayfield Uh is the number overall pick for the Cleveland Browns. You're telling me he's not going to see the field this year?
3: I don't think he's going to play. I do not think. I think the, the Browns are focused on his development, and they understand from going through this time and
2: time over the last 20 years that for the best thing for his development is not throwing him into the fire. Will be very interesting obviously when you're drafted number one overall immediate expectations regardless of a position follow but Baker Mayfield is a player that I think many do believe, was as close to NFL ready as any of the rookie quarterbacks because of the fact that he had more college experience than a guy like Lamar Jackson Mm -hmm. or Josh Allen or the other two nameless and faceless players on this list for right now. It's a a city starved for a quarterback. But to Hawk's point, the prudent play is put him out there when he's ready, whether that's because of Tyrod Taylor's struggles or his Mm -hmm. own performance. We'll see when that actually
1: happens. And I don't know. History shows you Hugh Jackson's been quite indecisive with what he wants to do at that quarterback spot, which say. is the reason why I think we're going to see him, and I can't wait for Hawk uh, to buy me a year's worth of coffee since that's the deal we have there. D, any, any, any thoughts on this? You think he's crazy or I'm crazy? No, I
0: think, no, I think uh, Baker Mayfield's going to sit unless something unless. were to happen to Tyrod yeah. Taylor yeah. via injury or anything like that. You've got to understand, the offensive weaponry that the Cleveland Browns This is probably the best set of weapons that Tyrod Taylor has ever had since he's been a quarterback in the National Football League. So unless he gets injured, I think think he will be sitting on the bench. Team Hawk over here. (laughs)
1: All right, we're talking rookie quarterbacks with the highest expectations. We've already revealed Josh Allen here. Why, Why are you putting him at three?
3: Josh Allen, number three, because he has to replace... Like we talked about, and everyone has their opinions, but he's replacing a playoff quarterback. The Bills were in the playoffs last year, so they're wanting to get better. They have the weapons there. They're actually, if he doesn't go to the playoffs, it's a step backwards. So I think there's a lot of expectations on Josh Allen. Everything I've heard from him is they're super impressed with him.
2: You know, I'd say this. I'm not sure there's a player who a team has hitched its wagon to more than Josh Allen amongst the quarterbacks in this year's class. He was divisive as a prospect. Not as a person, but in terms of what he accomplished on the field. Accuracy issues are well-founded with Josh Allen. But the upside is immense. And we say that Cleveland has longed for a quarterback. Buffalo, too, has longed for a quarterback beyond Tyrod Taylor for quite some time. And you got to understand,
0: the two guys, uh, the two other quarterbacks in that quarterback room, they don't have much um, planning experience. So for Josh Allen, this is not a situation where he's sitting behind veteran guys who have a plethora Mm -hmm. of, of, of playing time. He's going to have a legit opportunity to really be the starting quarterback. And I mean, early for the Buffalo Bills.
1: All right, Hawk, back to you here. So quarterback with the most expectations at number two.
0: Number two, I have Sam Darnold. We talked
3: about him early in this segment, Josh McCown. Josh McCown is my version of the quarterback whisper. He was the guy who told me to first look out for Jimmy Garoppolo because <laughs> he was the real deal. So when Josh says that this is the guy, I trust him. But what they're doing is they're putting a lot of pressure on him. This is New York. This is New York media. You have the the, the president saying that he was going to be the guy 20 years from now. They look back and say he changed the franchise. That's a lot of pressure, and I think people are expecting
2: him to show that early this season. Got to correct what is correctable because last year the carelessness with the football was impossible to ignore at USC. Still an excellent career for him, but he did regress on the field from 2016 to 2017. The Jets will hope to get it right with him and get back to that 2016
1: form. Jamie, da- don't you find it so interesting watching these organizations say so much about their draft picks before we've even seen them on the field? As a former player, when you hear a quarterback, a rookie coming in with an expectation from the team president that he's going to change the franchise and the direction they're going to go in how would you react if you were his teammate
0: <laughs> I'm a veteran see veterans veterans are about the here and now I don't have time to wait three four years so for me I'm like okay you can't yes you're a rookie but I don't need I, we can't afford to have you play like a rookie you got to come out here and play like a veteran and I'm, I'm pretty sure that that's what the expectations of the locker room are if he gets yep. if he wins the starting job. We need you to play like a play like a veteran.
1: Yeah, and Todd Bowles says going into camp, Josh McCown is the starter. But if Sam Darnold winds up being the best quarterback out there, he's going to start always, Week One against I've Detroit. I've always
0: said if he's even, he's leaving. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's what's going For to veterans, yeah.
2: For veterans, Yep. Yeah.
0: Well, no, I'm talking about the quarterback, the yeah, quarterback. He's kid. leaving in a good it, way. Yeah, yeah I'm talking might. about leaving as, far as a starting quarterback, right. starting quarterback for the Jets. All
1: right, you're number one, the quarterback with all the pressure on him, or at least the most expectations.
3: And I already know you're going to give me flack, Diana, mm. but <laughs> Josh Rosen is my number one. Yep. Now, why? Before the draft, if everything was smooth, he'd probably be around number four. But when he came out and said that they made nine mistakes in front of him and he put himself in a position to basically declare he was the best draft pick, that brings expectations. And he's going to play this year. I don't want to wish anything on anyone, but if we look at history, the guy in front of him has a little bit of injury concern, so I think
2: he's going to get the nod. So the self-inflicted part of his expectations is what he said right after he was drafted. Nine mistakes, which he later corrected to say, I guess only three mistakes because I was the fourth quarterback taken. The non-self-inflicted part of this is that I think there's a pretty good chance this guy could be starting just before any of these other Mm -hmm. quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. Maybe as soon as week one. It's a legitimate open competition in Arizona, despite the $15 million in guaranteed money that was paid to Sam Bradford, and it's early, and they've just been in shorts and helmets. But Josh Rosen has already made a very favorable impression in Arizona.
1: We've heard tons about him, and Lamar Jackson in Baltimore (laughs) is certainly going to be one of the more uh, interesting stories to follow. Mom, I think this doll I found in the attic is cursed. No, its eyes are just very lifelike. Then why does its head keep spinning? Be my friend forever.
0: Oh, that is scary.
2: You know what's really scary? Missing out on Geico's easy-to-use mobile app. You can manage your Geico policy whenever, wherever. Wherever.
1: Let's play with another doll. Or we can just bury it deep in the ground.
2: Happy geico Download the industry-leading Geico app today.
1: Let's... Dive deep into the headlines. Andrew Hawkins, Field Yates with us here. The first headline from NFL.com. It reads Trey Burton, ton of similarities between the Eagles And Bears, strong words there, Hawk. So legitimate comparison there. What's the ceiling for the Bears here?
3: Yeah, no, I'm selling this. I don't don't think it's legitimate comparison. Mm -hmm. I mean, the Eagles, I think, have probably the most talented roster this season for sure and last season. I mean, they are really well-versed. I just don't think the Chicago Bears are there yet. They've made some great additions in Trey Burton, in Allen Robinson, Taylor Gabriel. But I don't know if this is a a realistic comparison.
2: Mm -hmm. I think schematically they have a chance to be far more evolved this year than last Mm -hmm. year when... You know, Smart football people once taught me that offensive football is about dictating. Defensive football is about reacting. Last year, the Bears were predictable. Defenses could be the aggressor, not the people that had to react here. I think the Bears will be much faster in terms of tempo. It will stress the defense from a, let's just face it, a conditioning standpoint. They have better personnel, that much is for sure. But it all pivots on the arm of number 10, Mitch Trubisky. Mm -hmm. If he makes that first, second year leap, this team could be on the right track.
1: Certainly, going to be all the difference. Uh, So our second headline... It's going to be down in New Orleans for the New Orleans Advocate. It reads Adam Kamara, Marshall Lattimore gunning for even more accolades. And, of course, for next season, looking to be the outright offensive player of the year, defensive player of the year. So, Hawke, I begin with you here. Uh, which is more likely here, Kamara being the offensive player of the year or Lattimore being the defensive player of the year?
3: I'm going to go with Kamara. I'm going to go with Kamara because, you know, we look at Kamara as an incredible third down back. And I know the NFL we play in now, they have two backs. They split the carries. But with Mark Ingram out, I can promise you he's looking at this as an opportunity. He wants to be an every down back. He wants to have the catches. He wants to have the carries, put the team on his back. And I think the Saints are going to give him the opportunity to do so. Because Ingram is getting older anyway, and they're getting ready for a world where
2: Alvin is the guy. Mm-hmm. You can make the pro-Kamara case. You can also make the anti-Lattimore case, which has nothing to do with Lattimore at all. Mm-hmm. Rather, the position he plays. Since 1995, there has been one, count him one cornerback to win this prestigious award. It was Charles Woodson in 2009. The reality is, and Hawk made this point earlier on off-camera, is when you're really good at cornerback, teams don't throw away from you. and You don't you get win picks. A, you don't get picks. You don't yeah. get... Stats, you don't get awards when your production does not fit the traditional box score. So Kamara is the answer.
1: Makes a lot of sense. And they'll be at the ESPYs looking forward to seeing if they win, too. Ooh. All right. Lastly, uh, Cardinals GM Steve Kime. He was arrested uh, for DUI on the 4th of July. Well, today's Cardinals president, Michael Bidwill said during an interview with KFYI that Kime made an enormous mistake that will have consequences in the future. Here's the quote exactly. First of all, I'm extremely disappointed. It's inexcusable. He did bring it to our attention right away that night and has been extremely remorseful and contrite. He's taken steps to make things right. But the reality is that there is a process in place that the league has and there are going to be consequences here. That's the end of the quote. So Field, lots of eyes around the uh, lots of eyes around the league watching this. Why is that?
2: Just to make sure that executives are held in the same or to the same standard that players are expected to be held to now the rules outline as much, but you always want to make sure that everybody is being treated fairly and yep. equally with this. Mm-hmm. Steve Keim has been as Michael Bidwell said contrite. he came out and and, and uh, admitted what had gone wrong right away. Um, but we want to make sure I think people around the league want to make sure that Players are not treated in a different manner than an executive or a head coach would be in a similar situation. So for that reason, I think a lot of people are currently watching and will continue to as the situation further develops. And pot- potentially there's some punishment handed out to Steve, to Steve Kime. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, I, I agree. I think this is an opportunity for the league to make a statement. I mean, we've seen careers get derailed because of DUIs, which yeah. are very serious, and they should be. So now the league has a responsibility to hold their administration, their coaches, their executives Mm -hmm. to the same standard. And people, like you said, are going to be watching with a watchful eye to make sure that happens. Yeah. All
1: right. Finally, our last news element of the day. Uh, The NFLPA filed a grievance today challenging the NFL's new anthem policy. They released this statement. The union's claim is that this new policy imposed by the NFL's governing body without consultation with the NFLPA is inconsistent with the collective bargaining agreement and infringes on players' rights. In advance of our filing today, we propose to the NFL to begin confidential discussions with the NFLPA Executive Committee to find a solution to this issue instead of immediately proceeding with litigation. The NFL has agreed to proceed with those discussions, and we look forward to starting them soon. All right, so his last five seasons have been historic, right? So 582 receptions, the most in any five-year span in NFL history. He's also put up the most receiving yards in that same five-year stretch. He became the first player to ever have at least 100 catches in five straight years. So we are discussing Antonio Brown here because happy birthday, A.B. It's his big 3-0 3-0 here. Fields, you'll know what that feels like in about 15 years. We're going to start <laughs> with you. Uh, you scouted Antonio Brown. Can, can you give us some perspective for, from when you first saw him when he was a young guy to, to where he's at now?
2: You know, back in 2010 when he came out of Central Michigan, we scouted him in Kansas City as the entire league did. And mm-hmm. thought he does a lot of things really well at the college level. But the question was, could he dominate at the NFL level? Wasn't like he wasn't fast, wasn't like he wasn't quick, had good, reliable hands, but and his college production was outstanding. It was just a matter of would a player of his size be able to physically dominate at the next level like he did at the college level? And I think there were some obvious concerns, which is why he slid into the sixth round, of course. But the Steelers saw something in Antonio Brown through his dedication, determination, plus his own skill set has proved everybody wrong in a way that I mean, it's, it's close to being on par with what Tom Brady has accomplished as the 199th wow. pick in the yeah. 2000 NFL draft. He's been that good relative to expectations with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Do
1: you remember him coming out and what you, what your thoughts were of him? I
3: played against him yep. in college. So I was a senior when he was a freshman at Central Michigan. How about that? And I was the gunner. And I remember getting down the field, and it was like one-on-one. And I'm like, oh, it's an easy tackle. And then I looked, and he wasn't there anymore. Yeah, he's gone. <laughs> and then I played him against him in the NFL, and the same thing happened. He's just one of those guys, man, that... He's just an incredible football player. And they always talk about who are the best wide receivers. And there are other guys who are more pure wide receivers than him. But what I equate it to is, is LeBron James. LeBron James isn't the best point guard in the league. He's not the best shooting guard, maybe. He's not probably the most pure power forward. But it's when it comes to basketball players, he's the best basketball player in the world. That's when Antonio Brown is. He's the best football player yeah. in the world to me.
1: No, that's a good way to put it. And I think there's, there's those comparisons. Can, can he be better than Jerry Rice, you know, so we so we laid it out here. We know that Rice, he holds the record uh for the most receptions and receiving yards. So AB needs 816 catches to tie Rice and his pace from the last 5 seasons, he'd reach that mark in 2025. He would be 37 years old, all right? So he needs nearly uh, 13,000 yards, right, to match Rice in that category. And based on his numbers in the last 5 years, he passed them in 2026. At a ripe age of 38. So, Damian, we you, we laid it out there for you. You saw the numbers. You think this is possible? <laughs> Can A.B. catch Jerry on, Rice?
0: On, <laughs> oh, there's a reason why Jerry Rice is considered not only the best wide receiver, but the best football player in NFL history. Yeah. Because he has a sustained level of success that is yep. unmatched by any player in the history of the National Football League. I mean, his numbers are ridiculous. It's going to be hard for any player, even in this era, the passing era of the National Football League, for guys to break his records because of the longevity that he played. I mean, he played into his 40s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, It's just crazy.
3: I just don't think in this day and age, and Jerry may have benefited from that a little bit, I just don't think that a team is going to stay that committed to a player till he's 38. Like, when guys reach the 30 mark, they're already looking for the young guy. And, yes, Tony Totap is still at that, at peak level, but... Until 38, he has to have a big commitment from the Steelers.
2: The receptions number will get close. I really do believe that because I don't think that we are seeing the twilight or even the back nine of Antonio Brown's career mm-hmm. – if we are in the back nine, we're on about hole 10 right now. Yeah. The Steelers re-upped on their commitment to him recently with that massive, lucrative, long-term extension that makes him the highest-paid wide receiver in football for the time being. Um, but Antonio Brown also has largely avoided major injuries. Now, obviously, he missed some time last year for getting injured in that memorable game against the Patriots, but he's been durable and yet another incredible accomplishment for a player that... If you saw him walking around the hallways here in Bristol, he wouldn't stand out if some guy would say, oh, yeah, I bet that guy dominates every Sunday in the NFL. Yeah. He would look a lot like, you know. <laughs> like I, Andrew Hawkins. I was, was going to say, <laughs> say, say me, but I was giving okay. myself too much okay. credit. So, but, yeah. you know what? but you know what? But here's the
0: problem. When is Big, Big Ben is on, on the back nine? That's, See, and that's yep. the thing. When you have that type of combination, it, Big Ben is, toward, is more towards the end than maybe A.B. is. And that's, I think that's going to be the issue that he's going to run up against. Yeah,
1: That's definitely going to be the concern. And, and how much longer do you, do you think he could be a Steeler? I mean, do you think he's going to wind up finishing his career in Pittsburgh?
2: I don't think there's any reason at this time to look beyond his Pittsburgh Steeler career, other than the fact that it's really uncommon for players to play the entirety of their career with just one team. He is very much in the mix for them for the next Three to five seasons, easily? I mean, that that right there feels like an easy estimate, even in in, in a world of the NFL where things turn over so rapidly. uh, And he might go down as one of the greatest ever for the Pittsburgh Steelers. All
1: right, meantime, back here on NFL Live, running back to Marco Murray, still on the free agent market. He'll be on our show later this week, but he did stop by to talk to our Adam Schefter on Adam's podcast to discuss his plans for the future and what he thinks will most likely happen.
0: I've got a lot of discussions with four or five teams that I feel that will, will be a great fit for me. It's all about being transparent. And, and for me, I'm not looking to lead the league in rushing yards. Obviously I would work and do everything to give me opportunity to do that. But it's all about just having an opportunity to get to the playoffs, having an opportunity to win a championship and, and being around a great group of guys, being around a great group of coach staff that want to compete and, and learn and, and have fun. And at the end of the day, it's all about winning. And I've always been of the mindset that winning comes first and winning.
1: Here's everything. Oh, it certainly does. And he may not realize this, guys, but two years ago, Murray rushed for the third most yards in the league and was selected to the Pro Bowl that year. But last season, he rushed for 659. He just turned 30 years old this offseason. Now, despite playing nearly 200 fewer snaps than 17, he still led the Titans with six rushing touchdowns. So, Hawk, I want to begin with you. Do you think that DeMarco Murray has anything left in the tank?
3: I do. I do. I think... You know, it's just normal for the league that once running backs get on the other side of 30, they just start to fizzle out of the league, teams start looking for younger alternatives. But I do think he still has something to offer. I think a lot of teams can benefit from a veteran running back. You look at, like, the Redskins, who are... Putting a lot of their eggs into the the, the Geist basket. I think if they had a veteran there as a backup guy and maybe as a leader, it could benefit the team. You
1: know, Damien as a, a former offensive lineman, you know well. You know, Demarco played behind that that great Cowboys line, uh, Philly, even in Tennessee. Do you think he's a product of, of really good protection, or is Demarco Murray just that talented?
0: No, I, I'll never I'll never take away from what a guy's done on the field. Yep. I mean, he's you know he's gotten the, all the accolades and yards. You know, on his own volition, but it doesn't hurt about playing behind some of those lines that he played behind. But again, a guy like Demarco Murray, uh, obviously, his situation will probably um, become clear in training camp when you get injuries and and those type of things. And and and, a- and, and Andrew is right that some of these young guys could benefit from a guy like Demarco Murray, the wisdoms, things that he's seen um, to come in there and just be almost like a a or coach to help some of these young these younger backs coming into the league. Yeah.
2: Yeah, Yeah, you got to have him in the right role, right? I mean, DeMarco Murray is not a guy that you want to play 45, 50 snaps a game, but he is a better pass catcher than some people care to realize, and he's a decent north-south runner. He does not have impressive speed at this stage of his career, He's fairly reliable with the football. When I think about teams around the NFL that still need to maybe add one more running back and aren't afraid to dip into the veteran free agent pool, Baltimore comes to mind, for example, as one that could use some more fortification of their backfields. I guess we've got the Beltway covered. Mm-hmm. The Redskins yeah. and the Ravens, two teams that could use yeah. a player like DeMarco
1: Well, We can ask him because he's going to be on the show. He's on NFL Live this Thursday and Friday, so we'll find out uh, where he wants to land or perhaps some of his favorite teams. So... A lot of intimidating guys that we showed, or at least showed two, that were pretty scary, as as you guys at home heard them talk about. So who is the most intimidating player you've ever played against?
0: Phew. John Randall for me. I mean, John Randall, he wasn't the biggest defensive tackle, but this dude never stopped talking. Like, the (laughs) whole game, always talk. And it was just crazy. I was a young buck in the league mm-hmm. at the time, so for me to play against John Randall was just was like unbelievable. Yeah, we stoned him right here, but it took took a couple bodies to really shut him down. But, <laughs> but listen, for the most, yeah, for the most part, I mean, you didn't want to be left one on one with That's John good Randall right there. Dude. Yeah, he's yeah, you dominating that? him right hey, now, Woody. What are we talking about nah, here? He's he's that guy during the week was like, okay, we need to put a circle around this guy. If we don't take care of him, he will wreck the game
1: tonight. yeah Hawk, yeah. what about you? Who's the most intimidating guy you played against? It
0: was a tough call for me. I played
3: against Ray Lewis. I played against James Harrison, who I have no problems with. The most intimidating guy for me is Vontez Burfick. and here's why. A lot is said about Vontez Burfick and his extracurricular on the field, but when you're playing against that dude, I was also his teammate, and you have a guy who does not care to play within the confinement of the rules— That is a scary place to be because going across the middle, I have no protection. The rules can't protect me. The refs can't protect me. And he was a guy that when we played against him, everyone was hoping that he wasn't in the game because he's a scary dude, man. You
1: you talk about the the trash talk. Does that really get in your head when you're hearing it over and over? Or or are you at such a level that you can tune it out?
0: No, no. See, I was young. So, you know, I was still kind of finding my bearings. But as I got older, I embraced the trash talk. Like, that <laughs> that just fueled me yeah. the whole time. So, yeah, when I was young, it was just like, wait a minute, John Randall's talking yeah. trash to me? I, that was like a, like a badge of honor being yeah, trashed like,
2: yeah, by John Randall, I, right? It was I like, really I made that. it to the
1: NFL. In, in mini golf, most intimidating person you've ever played against.
2: Diana, <laughs> I'm not going to answer that question. I'm not going to dignify <laughs> that question with a response.
1: the